Hello everybody, my name is Andy Fernandez. And my name is Michael Fernandez. And welcome back to another episode of What Makes It Great. Today we are talking about another movie from 1950, All About Eve, directed by Joseph Mankiewicz and ranked number 16 on the original list and number 28 on the 10th anniversary update. Another Mankiewicz, but not that Mankiewicz. Not the Herman Mank kind, the Joseph Mank kind. <laughs> All right. Well, have you ever heard or seen this movie before? Nope. <laughs> I think I had watched it in high school, and I was like, this is boring and dumb. And <laughs> like, I never thought about it ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, and I didn't remember anything about it. And so this was kind of, again, one of those things where it seemed like a first-time watch, and it was a lot different than I remembered it. Hmm. Um, yeah, this was my first time watching it. Watched it on Amazon. Had to mm-hmm. rent it, and it's like when it came out in like October of 1950, I think. I think so. That sounds right. And it's pretty long. It's like two hours and ten minutes or so. Yeah, it is a little lengthy. Mm-hmm. I think it took me a couple of watches to get through it. Yeah, I just went through once. I went back and watched the end of it again, but I just went through it once, pretty much. Okay. Well, there's not much to talk about pre-production-wise or any concepts or anything, except for I did want to talk about the big actress from it, Betty Davis. Oh, yeah. She got Betty Davis eyes. Betty, insert little clip of that song here. <laughs> She's got Betty Davis eyes. Betty Davis. She was born Ruth Davis in 1908 in Massachusetts, and she Betty was her nickname. Um, during her childhood, she m- moves to New York and sees a Broadway play, and it inspires her to go into acting. And uh, a director that we've talked about before, George Cukor, gives her her first break and hires her for a play. Nice. And she ends up, I think it was just like in the chorus or something, kind of like a background thing. But she got on Broadway and then she moves on to starring roles on Broadway. And then in the early 1930s, moves out to Hollywood and starts starring in movies. Um, She struggled for a little while, though. People thought she lacked sex appeal. Um, She's kind of weird looking. but some were really intrigued by her Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> and so she does have a very distinct look. She takes off when she stars in a movie called Of Human Bondage. And it was she got an Oscar nomination, but not an official one. She wasn't officially nominated, but they allowed write-in nominations for it. And she got a write-in nomination for that role. Wow. Um, then she kind of does a bunch of roles and she's really notable for making a career out of playing a different type of female character, not always likable, but definitely more complex and outside of the box, especially for that time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw a clip of Meryl Streep talking about the influence that Betty Davis had on her career and, and just kind of highlighting how she wasn't, she, like that, that idea that she wasn't really in the box. She took a lot of outside of the box ideas and roles and really transformed what it could mean to be an actress in hollywood mm. i believe um, it yeah she's different for yeah. sure mm-hmm. she almost starred in it happened one night but oh, really? uh, warner brothers wouldn't lend her to columbia mm. and she had a similar legal case that we talked uh, to olivia de havilland um, but before olivia de havilland i remember when we were talking about gone with the wind and talking about how olivia de havilland basically sued the studio system and earned a lot more freedom and respect for actors and actresses at the time. Um, Betty Davis tried something before Olivia de Havilland, but she lost and it didn't end up going anywhere. Hmm. Um, And she was also up for Scarlet in uh, Gone with the Wind. Oh, wow. But obviously did not get that. Um, I thought there's another cool little tidbit of thing. During World War II, she performed with Hattie McDaniel for Black Regiments of Soldiers, and she was the only white actress in an all-black acting troupe that was performing for uh, black soldiers during World War II. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It, is, it was pretty cool. Um, and then she was the first person to get five consecutive acting award nominations from 1938 to 1942, all for Best Lead Actress. Wow. Um, and she, she was nominated. Uh, she won two. She was nominated for a total of ten Oscars, all for Best Leading Actress. She won two, and they were her first two official nominations for a movie called Dangerous in 1935 and a movie called Jezebel in 1938. Wow. She was also 
the first female to get an AFI Lifetime Achievement Award in 1971. And the American Film Institute ranks her as the number two best actress of all time behind Katherine Hepburn. So very, very well respected. Um, Later in life, she gets breast cancer, has a mastectomy. She suffered a number of strokes and had to do a lot of physical therapy in order to regain some movement on the left side of her face and left arm and things like that. Um, And eventually she dies in 1989 at the age of 81 when her cancer returned. Wow. long very successful life very well-respected legendary actress and i think this is the only movie on the list that we're going to get to see her yeah i'm glad we get to see her in something that's pretty neat um and now not just because of the song from the 80s uh (laughs) uh, now because yeah she's a very very accomplished actress so that's really cool i'm glad we get Mm -hmm. to know her a little bit yeah i know um i don't have any other things to talk about before we talk about the movie. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we jump in? No, not really. Okay, let's go in. The movie begins with a like a reception where the Sarah Siddons Award for Distinguished Achievement is being presented. Um, this is apparently a made-up award, <laughs> yeah. but uh, for like stage acting. However, after because of this movie an award for stage acting i think in chicago i want to say was created called the sarah siddons award (laughs) um so a voice that we get some voiceover and it's describing the situation and kind of the significance of this award and it's very significant um and he reveals himself to be a a critic named addison dewitt who is played by george sanders and he becomes one of the main players, and he kind of goes around the room and introduces all of the other main players in the room. So we get Karen Richards, who's played by an actress named Celeste Holm. She's the wife of a playwright named Lloyd Richards, who's played by an actor named Hugh Marlowe. We meet Max Fabian, who's a producer. And then we meet Margot Channing, who's played by Betty Davis. And as the camera's kind of going around, all of them are looking super disinterested, and just drinking and smoking and kind of rolling their eyes. There's um there's a lot of into it. a lot of voiceover in this movie, which is pretty cool. And then mm-hmm. also a lot of smoking. <laughs> a lot. They're constantly smoking in these scenes. Uh-huh. There's a long-winded actor who's up there presenting the award to an unseen young actress named Eve Harrington, played by Anne Baxter. But we finally see her when everyone starts clapping and she goes up. Um, to accept the award, but um, two people aren't we see are not clapping, and that is uh, Karen and Margot. Uh, Margot again is Betty Davis, and then whenever she goes up to accept the award, she reaches for it and then freeze. The, there's a freeze. Uh, the frame freezes, and Addison Dewitt's voiceover comes back to tease the audience that we that we know all about Eve or something. What could there be left for us to know? And then we switch to Karen's voice and go to a flashback. So this, again, another one of those movies where we start kind of at the end and then we flash back to the meat of the story. And then by the end of the movie, we're going to go back to where it was at the beginning. Yeah, kind of like uh, Emperor's New Groove whenever he's crying, there's a llama and then he goes back <laughs> to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> What's with the chimp and the bug? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, this person's life got ruined for no reason. Basically. <laughs> no, um, but I thought it was kind of cool the freeze frame. I don't know if we've ever seen a uh, seen a freeze frame in a movie at this point. Had we? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, I thought it was a little interesting uh, thing to to do. I mean, it's pretty basic, but I, I was like, that might that has to be the first one we've seen. I can't. I couldn't think of another one. Mm-hmm. But, but it, definitely yeah. not the movie. Like, Sunset Boulevard did that, you know, start at the end and then um, work your way back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a bunch of other movies have done that before, but the freeze frame um, was really cool. And then the voiceovers and everything like that were very effective in the storytelling of this movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie is very thematically similar to Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yeah. I was going to save that for a little bit later, but now, yeah, we can just talk about it now. It's like the same kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's the same movie. They have very different tonally. Mm-hmm. But it's basically the same movie. (laughs) A little bit different endings, but yeah. Yeah, they're dealing with aging actresses and kind of a transition in Hollywood. You know, it's they're both, I think, commentaries on the evolution of 
of Hollywood and and from silent to you know sound or from you know one, one it's this is probably the first time in the movie industry where the original generation is getting old or dying out and there's a second generation of people in this industry that are coming up and replacing the older people oh man this is also so we're gonna see this a lot this decade but um was it with sullivan's travels and the last one that was like one of the first meta movies like uh, Mm -hmm. you know movie about hollywood and then we've had sunset boulevard and then now this one as well um, mm-hmm. And I know Singing in the Rain's coming up in a little bit, and that's also about Hollywood. Like, it just keeps happening more and more and more. <laughs> right. And technically, this movie isn't doesn't deal... It with deals a little bit... but it's right. like actresses and stuff. Is it Broadway more? Yeah, it's Broadway and stage, but it's still clearly, I think, about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we go back into the flashback, and uh, we see Karen arriving at a theater, and she's there's some girl that she's seen there every night and she's wondering where she is. And then, a, and, um, it's, it's Eve. She's been waiting outside the theater to see the actress, Margot Channing enter and exit before and after each performance. And then she's looking around for, her and Oh, there she is. And so Eve approaches Karen and finally talks to her for the first time, revealing that she's watched every performance of this play. And Karen's so impressed that she offers to take her inside to meet Margot. Mm. Um, I would like to go ahead and spoil a little bit of this movie um, because I think I want to get your thoughts of kind of when you knew, when you felt like something might be up. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, okay. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, basically, or near the end of the movie, it's revealed that Eve is, Eve, Eve is a fake and she's like a super manipulative and she's been manipulating this whole lying and manipulating this whole time to basically uh, become a famous actress and and kick Margot out of the business mm-hmm. um and i i want you as we're kind of going through the movie it's it's interesting watching the movie without knowing that and then it's interesting watching the movie while knowing that's what's going to happen mm-hmm. and to try to figure out like when would you get suspicious or like when did you start getting suspicious of this character uh, pretty early <laughs> okay my stems there's a little scene moments in this very next scene where you're like eyebrow raising a little bit but yeah. if i'm honest i didn't think anything about that until like pretty far into the movie the first time i watched it Hmm. so but but then looking back i'm like oh yeah i could see it here and i could see it here and i felt really dumb but (laughs) yeah um so yeah we'll talk about that throughout so he uh karen and eve go inside to margo's into the theater and and once inside eve goes out to look at the stage and the seats and she just kind of looks amazed at the spectacle of it all and and then they go into Margot's dressing room and I think Karen has her wait outside for a little bit or something and Margot's in there complaining about the play she's acting in which is called Aged in Wood and she's complaining to the playwright who is Lloyd uh, Karen's husband and Karen mentions Eve and Margot's like get her out of here but Karen insists and then Eve is allowed in mm-hmm. and so Eve gets to meet Margot and Lloyd and Margo's Margo's friend Bertie, who's played by an actress named Thelma Ritter, was very and, very good in this. Yeah, and but not very not in it very much, but mm-hmm. very good. Yeah, um, and Eve's basically she reveals that she knows a lot about all of these people. Basically, even that Lloyd's working on a new play for Margo called Footsteps on the Ceiling, and they ask about what about you? Who are you, Eve? And she tells them the story of who she is, and so been following them for a while since what their first show or something like that Mm -hmm. on this play or whatever on this broadway tour and then um where's she from again or where'd she say she's from uh wisconsin okay um she was working as a secretary in a brewery or something in milwaukee and then and she joins a theater group and meets a man named eddie and the war comes, and they get married, and he joins the Air Force, and they have a plan that he's got some leave coming up, and they're going to go meet in San Francisco, and she goes there, but he doesn't come there because he's died. Um, and so she stays there in San Francisco and sees that Margot Channing is in a play there, 
And so she watches the play and then she follows it, the play back to New York and watches every performance of the play and everyone's crying as she's delivering this story. Mm -hmm. And what really struck me, um, I think I picked it up the first time, but it's, she's delivering a monologue. She's acting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if if you're paying attention to that, that's the first kind of eyebrow raising thing. That yeah, it she seems does. so rehearsed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and everyone buys it hook, line, and sinker, mm-hmm. except for Birdie. Yep. Thelma Ritter tells says something like, oh, "It had everything." She like she is like it had everything, but like a dog chasing after her or something like that. Like she was like she was just acting. It was a melodrama that she was performing for them all mm-hmm. but nobody listens nope everything could have been saved right then and there yep, but nobody over. <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's great performance so there's two really good performances in this movie and that's betty davis as margaret channing and ann baxter as eve in my opinion yeah um there are everyone else around them is good but those are those are two of the key ones i think and the director, I think, comes in, and he's the boyfriend of Margot. Um, they're, I forgot his name. Yeah, they're going to be flying out to Hollywood soon, or he's flying out to Hollywood soon to do some work there. And and uh, I think Margot and Eve basically are going to go drop him off at the airport. And um, Margot and Bill refer to Eve Bill is the, the, the director boyfriend. Refer to Eve as being like a loose lamb in a jungle. And then when Bill leaves, he calls out to Eve and Margot repeating that same line. And, but Eve responds as if he was talking about Margot. But really, he was talking to Margot, I think, about Eve. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So there's some already like chess moves happening. Some little who's got the upper hand yeah. kind of thing. Well, before that, um, Eve goes with Margot to drop him off or whatever. She's like... Mm-hmm. Manipulates her way into um, spending more time. Uh, I forget what it is. Yeah. She like Margot's like. Um, she doesn't say it right here that you can become my assistant. But she's like, no, no, we can keep talking. Like, I want to hang out with you a little bit more. Uh, why don't yeah. you uh, come with me here and do this? And then Birdie's like, isn't that my job? Um, right. <laughs> and now, and then in the very next scene, Margot hires her as her assistant. So she's mm-hmm. like, cont- slowly weaseling her way in and just like. In everyone's good graces and squeezing Birdie out. I think Birdie is probably the first victim of Eve's like ambition. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I she's... noticed it. It's in this next this stuff when she is the assistant. She's doing so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's doing everything for Margot. Everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like breakfast in bed. <laughs> uh, yeah, got all her calls she... and stuff. Mm-hmm. She watches every performance from backstage and is crying as Margot's taking her final bows and. We learn a month has gone by, and they're kind of doing all of this stuff. And um, Eve is doing everything for her. And she's like, I'll take, after one show, she's like, I'll take your costume over to the costume mistress. And, and Birdie, like, she goes off, and then Birdie's, like, warns Margot. She's like, the wardrobe union uh, is going to get mad if they can't do their job. So she's like, oh, yeah, go tell Eve to stop doing that. So she goes out there, and Eve is, like, holding the dress in front of herself and taking bows in front of a mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's the first kind of little glimpse, I think, that we get of Eve's ambition, maybe, of Eve's um, real goals. Yeah, the ulterior motive. Yeah, she keeps it all hidden, except when she thinks she's by herself. And Birdie, Birdie, I think she was already suspicious of her before, Mm -hmm. but I think, boom, this kind of cues up quite a bit more of it. And when I was was watching (laughs) the movie, I refreshed like you know the plot and everything and was reading about it a little bit here before we recorded but when i first mm-hmm. watched this movie it didn't seem and maybe it's just cuz it's watching it after sunset boulevard but mm-hmm. i didn't really get much jealousy from betty davis in this scene when she's like looking at marco with the dress it looked kind of like i don't know i mean she had like an interesting look on her face definitely but yeah. it looked like almost like oh this girl wants to be like me like she wants to be an actress and look at her dream you know she like saw her dreams instead of like right. seeing her ambition or her like uh i don't know taking over well, or anything like that and i think because I, I i agree with that i think she sees her as innocent 
still. Yeah. Yes. As she's kind of maybe naive. Um, she's just kind of childlike. And so Margot's like, I'm going to take you under my wing mm-hmm. and you're, you're harmless. Yeah. Um, but I think Birdie is the only one at this stage that, that sees that maybe she's not as innocent or a naive or harmless as she appears. Mm-hmm. Um, cut to the middle of the night and Margot's phone rings to wake her up and it's a scheduled collect call to California for at midnight um, to Bill. Um, he's thrilled about the call. She doesn't understand. And then we find out that it's his birthday and that Eve must have scheduled this call without telling Margot. Mm-hmm. So not only is she doing everything for her, but she's like invading her personal life and her relationship with her, with her almost husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a weird kind of it it Margot plays it off as like, oh, that Eve, she's so thoughtful and sweet, but it's our another weird boundary that's getting crossed. And then yeah, Bertie's suspicious of Eve, saying that she's studying everything about Margot, how she walks and talks and acts and sleeps, and Margot admits that she's a little suspicious of, of her too, but ultimately kind of blows Bertie off. And I think that's the last time we see Bertie in the movie. No, she's at the party scene. Well, because that is the next scene. Is There's a party at Margot and Bill's. So maybe she does po- pop up in this party scene. For a little bit, and she like takes one coat up or something like that. Gotcha. Okay. So I think they're having the party because I think Bill's coming back from Hollywood. Is that why they're having the party? Yeah. Yeah. Convenient for Eve because, you know, Bill's this big guy, and he's just coming from Hollywood, and then... They've got all these friends that are like producers and uh, directors and uh, all these big important people in Broadway that are about to just walk into the door and she can impress them in this fancy nice house that's not hers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Margot gets jealous because she comes around and sees Eve and Bill like talking and flirting with each other. Mm-hmm. And she gets suspicious and Bill accuses Margot of being paranoid. And that's another theme in this movie is like all the men basically talk down to the women and mm-hmm. accuse them of being paranoid or obsessive or like all kinds of really terrible sexist things but She's the like men the... are being led around by the women like <laughs> so much so so much she keeps calling eve like a high schooler or something like that i forget what she says She's like, you're mm-hmm. really just uh, benignly talking to that high schooler or to that that child that uh Mm-hmm. Says. And Bill's like, you're you're being obsessed with your age, how old you are, how young she is, and all this stuff. And and uh, Karen and Lloyd and Max all arrive to the party, and they're talking about Margot. And apparently, Margot's acted like this kind of before. So they're like, oh, here we go again. Um, we've seen this before, and they're wondering. They ask Margot. Hey, is this is this over or is this just the beginning kind of like of this pattern that we've seen before and this is when Margot says the most famous line in the movie to answer their question if it was over or just beginning she says fasten your seatbelts it's going to be a bumpy night <laughs> and that is the most quoted movie a line in the movie for sure mm-hmm. um we also meet Addison DeWitt again, and he arrives with Miss Caswell. Oh, man, this is the coolest part of the movie. <laughs> yes. Marilyn Monroe. Very, very young Marilyn Monroe. I had to, like, I was like, wait, 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 hold on. Is that, is that her? And then I see, because yeah. they, like, have, you know, the mole on the side of her face, like, right by her mouth. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's got to be her. the voice and everything. Uh-huh. The attitude. Oh, yeah. She's already Marilyn Monroe in this movie (laughs) she is and she is very very beautiful oh my goodness yeah and she's got that breathy voice you know and and everything um so she's comes as a guest of addison and 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 eve comes down and meets addison and miss caswell and and addison's like see miss caswell over there there's producer max fabian go and try to impress him why do they always look like unhappy rabbits because that's what they are Go and make him happy. And she slinks off over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and He's like, do what you do best. Go, uh, go seduce baby. that man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the night goes on. But yeah, her already, she's, her, her presence is so magnetic. And um, even in this very small early role of hers, you can see 
how and why she becomes such a huge movie star. Mm-hmm. And we'll be seeing her at least once more. Mm-hmm. The night goes on. Margot is more drunk, and she's having a piano player play some song called Liebestrom over and over while she sits next to him all sad and just drinking. Yeah. Um, she's like, oh, woe is me kind of thing. It reminded me of that scene in The Office when when uh, Michael Scott breaks up with, I forget who, one of his girlfriends, and he's just playing Everybody it. Everybody hurts. <laughs> no, 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 that's Dwight. Oh, but, yeah, that's uh, right. he's, yeah, he's playing like a preview of a song. Goodbye, my love. That's what it is. Goodbye, my friend. It only gives me one minute or 15 seconds or whatever play yeah, time. Yeah, like, I just, I just need a taste of it. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Um, so right before this part, so you're talking about when I realized that she was uh, pulling a fast one on Margot. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely this scene for sure. So like maybe whenever she started becoming the secretary um, and just like her assistant and doing everything. Um, but then this scene for sure, there's a big change. And, you know, everybody would come to the house like there was only a couple of guests. Um, mm-hmm. Eve would take their coats and Eve would essentially take Birdie's job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Bertie's smaller, smaller role. And then at this party, um, yeah, Eve's talking to Bill and then she runs off and then, um, the next people that come or whatever, they, they're like, Oh, Eve's over there. And they're like, not interested in Margo. And they like hand Margo mm. the coat and Margo's wow. just like holding it. And she's just like, um, where is Eve or where is Birdie? Like, I am the host here. I am the one people are coming to see. Um, uh. What do they think they're doing? Everyone's coming to see Eve? Okay. And then Birdie comes back I and she that. gives the coat and goes upstairs. And that's why she gets so sad, too. And then there's all these men with their younger women. And she's just like, okay, something's not right. And I was like, okay, yeah, something's definitely not right. <laughs> wow, I love that. And I didn't even notice that. But I didn't. I do remember at the beginning of the party, I think when Karen and Lloyd get there, Eve takes their coats. But by the end of the party, Margot's taking the coats. Yeah, and she's like, okay, this is not my job. <laughs> Let's That's play that awesome. sad song over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goodbye, my love. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to think. Oh, there's... Margot is like hang is like taking care of Max, the producer who's sick or something. Yeah, heartburn. And, yeah, and he and she agrees to read with Miss Caswell for an audition if Max hires Eve as an assistant in his office so she can get rid of her. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, all right, they make a deal. Um, and then Eve and Karen are having a talk where it's subtly kind of hinted by Eve that she would like to be Margot's understudy since uh, the current one's having a baby and Karen agrees to help her out. Um, that's kind of all that it is for right now, but later on that kind of has a big, a big plot point. But uh, another scene with a bunch of the actors, including Marilyn Monroe, where they're all kind of sitting and as a group on the stairs at this party and, and talking about how um, not average actors and theater folk are, and Miss Caswell gets Max Fabian to get her a drink for her, and Addison congratulates her by saying, I can see your career rising like the sun, and I really do think he's speaking about Marilyn Monroe, too, in that scene, or I couldn't help but think about that. No, oh, definitely. this is her, the start of her career rising. Uh, and Eve's there, and she looks on, and she kind of gives a little monologue about applause, and and it struck me in this scene, I think. This is the first time I watched it. This is a scene where I picked up a little bit more because I was like, she's performing all the time. Yeah, she And she really just is. seduces everybody with like her wide-eyed innocence stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, this, is, this is the moment when I kind of noticed it. And I was like, she ain't who she, everyone thinks she is. Yeah, no, she's pulling a quick one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Margot comes back in. She's super drunk. She makes everyone upset, and the party ends. And and uh, Addison talks about how it's too bad that the third act is being played off stage <laughs> or something. And it's like everyone knows that Margot's like this, and that that they're upset they can't witness the rest of it or something. Mm-hmm. But it's really kind of sad that that's kind of her pattern. She's clearly got some alcohol problems and. And I think it's probably just her coping for her insecurities around getting older in, in her industry. No, definitely. Um, 
The next day, the party's over. Margot arrives at the theater to go read with Miss Caswell for her audition. Who's walking out uh, as she's walking in. <laughs> yep. And she's super late. The audition's over. Apparently, Miss Caswell did not do too well. Um, but Margot is upset to find out that she read with her new understudy, Eve. And apparently, according to Addison, Eve did really well. And Lloyd, the playwright, is loving it and speaking of it glowingly. And Addison's teasing Margot with this information, I think, kind of fanning the flames. He becomes kind of, in this moment at least, he starts to be a little bit more of a player of of pitting people against each other, I think. Mm-hmm. At least open, a little bit more openly. Yeah, he's kind yeah. of like jabbing at her. and be like, you know, you were pretty... Pretty lame at that party, and uh, you're mm-hmm. kind of difficult, and you know the old thing, and uh, <laughs> yeah. And she was here. Now, e- it's just an opportunity, you know. You missed it. You're late, lady. You know. Right. Eve is a terrible person, I think. But Definitely. George Sanders, Addison Dewitt, is might be even worse. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not any better. <laughs> yeah. Did you say Eddie Vedder? <laughs> he's not Eddie Vedder. Um, but he's also not any better. Any better. Oh, any better. <laughs> um, Margo, she goes off to go fight with Bill and Lloyd about what they thought about Eve's performance. And and uh, Lloyd yells at her for like, he's like, I'm the writer. And it's about time the piano realizes it has not written the concerto. Oh, yeah. That was uh, a funny line. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's an interesting thought on authorship. We, we're always talking about, like, who is the author of the movie? Is it the director? Is it the writer? Is it the performers? You know, blah, blah, blah. And so the writer's perspective, which this movie is written and directed by Joseph Mankiewicz, who's primarily a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it I, doesn't surprise me one bit that that kind of pro-writer uh, line is thrown out there. <laughs> man yeah and then that uh, george is like even though you're really old you know that you are really a bad actress <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> sorry uh, i've been thinking about trying to throw that in that had nothing to do there but <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh margo continues arguing with bill he grabs her and like throws her down on a bed as he's yelling at her about her paranoia and he also is confessing his love for her You've got to stop hurting yourself and me and the two of us by these paranoid tantrums. Oh, that word again. I don't even know what it means. Well, it's about time you found out. I love you. I love you. Ha! You're a beautiful and an intelligent woman. A body with a voice. A beautiful and an intelligent woman and a great actress. I'm kind of awkward. But she gets calmed down, and she's still worried about losing her place to the younger Eve, though. And then Lloyd goes home to Karen. He's mad with Margot and excited about Eve, and... And Karen reminds Lloyd that the four of them, Karen, Lloyd, Bill, and Margot, are supposed to be spending the weekend together. And that's when Karen then comes up with a plan about something and calls Eve to tell her, but we don't know what the plan is, just so that she kind of has one um, right before this weekend. And then we jump forward in time to the weekend being over, and Bill didn't end up going, so it's just Margot, Lloyd, and Karen, and they're coming back from this weekend they spent together, and they're rushing because Margot doesn't want to miss her train back so, and miss her performance, and what happens but the car runs out of gas, and Karen's like, oh no, the car's out of gas. <laughs> this is the plan. Here. <laughs> yeah. And Bill walks ahead to try to get gas or get a lift, and Margot turns on the radio, and Liebestrom is playing on the radio. Um, but she turns it off, saying she detests cheap sentiment. <laughs> so the thing that she was, like, indulging herself while she was drunk, um, now that she's, I guess, more sober, she can't stand or something. Oh, that's uh, a guilty pleasure. I guess. Margot is lamenting that everyone kind of knows her and wishes that someone would just tell her about her um, and she's waxing on about aging and being replaced and forgotten. And and while they're stranded, she misses the performance, and Eve has to go on as the understudy to perform. And coincidentally, there was a lot of reporters at this performance. Yeah, how crazy. Yeah, it was very fortuitous for Eve. She's in her dressing room talking with Bill, and she tries to seduce Bill, but he pretty strongly denies her. Mm-hmm. 
And so he's like, forego your ego and and blow your own horn or something. Oh, no. No, that's Addison comes in. He's like, you need to forego your, your own ego and blow your own horn. And he's like, I'm nobody. And he's like, no, well, I'm somebody. And so he begins interviewing her for a column as as she's getting undressed. And she's basically seducing him, too. Yeah. She's like, oh, that, that first guy didn't work for? Well, here's another one. Right. Um, and he's basically grilling her, asking questions about that story that she was monologuing about before, um, about going from San Francisco to New York, and like, what was the name of the theater in San Francisco, and what was the name of your dead husband, and and she starts answering some of these questions and giving him some answers, but then she kind of teases him by just being in a towel, saying, "I'm going to be in the shower and won't be able to hear any more questions for right now." So that's her way of like trying to shut it down because she's getting a little too nosy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of, all that is to say is that he is suspicious of her too. Mm-hmm. The group of them goes to a restaurant where Eve and Addison are there and Karen bumps into them cause she's there to meet Margo and, and Addison's like, why don't you read a column, my column to pass the time until Margo gets here. And, and he's written a column about how great Eve is and how old and terrible Margo is for being a, a gatekeeper, keeping people like Eve from acting and not letting the young people come in and get any experience and stuff. And she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> she's like, I haven't had this girl just, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my life. I didn't take her in or anything like that and, like, you know, give her the up. Okay. <laughs> right. And so now um, Karen is, is kind of come around to Margot's side of, like, yeah, Eve is no good. Mm-hmm. And... And uh, Bill runs back home to conf- comfort Margot because he's also read the column. And then Lloyd and Karen are talking. And Lloyd reveals that Eve visited him and apologized for the column. And, and she blamed Addison for it. And, and he's like, I want to give Eve the main role of my new play. And, uh, and Karen gets mad at this. And they start fighting. She's like, can't you see how she's manipulating you? And she's like, well, she did bring up the play, but it's my idea that I want her to be in the play. And she's like, she's dropping these hints to get Margot. Don't you, can't, don't you get it? Kind of thing. She's so <laughs> ticked off. And, but the, the guys can't see it. They're, I think they're too enamored with Eve mm-hmm. to be able to see past her kind of innocent you know, facade. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, the phone rings. Margot calls to invite them to have a drink after the next performance. So we go to the restaurant where Bill is. Bill and Margot are there with Karen and Lloyd, and they're praising Margot's performance. He po- proposes a toast and then reveals that they are going to they are engaged and they're going to be married the next day at City Hall. Um, so that's why they wanted to invite them out to share the good news. Um, and Eve has resigned from her role as Margot's understudy as well so we get a lot of like exposition the movie kind of throws a lot of information at you while at the same time not too too much is kind of going on it's it's a weird kind of balance of there's nothing the i guess the stakes really aren't very high is is what it is yeah no they aren't they're very personal stakes Mm -hmm. um and so sometimes it's hard for me to kind of follow along yeah um, with all the little things that are going on but all of it to say is that, you know, the little details don't matter quite so much as the little smaller interactions do. There's a lot of, like, slowly gaining in suspicion, you know, the frustration slowly building, um, and just, like, the the pretend kind of... It reminds me kind of, like, of a toxic workplace environment, really. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just like going around. Exactly. It's just people talking about each other behind their backs and, like, being one way in front of people and then being a totally different way when they're not looking and just undermining, you know, anything to get ahead kind of behavior that is just, you know, really, really terrible that you see in a lot of, in a lot of workplaces, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> um, I think Eve passes a, a note to Karen to, to talk, to meet her in the bathroom and they meet in the bathroom of this restaurant and Eve manages to convince Karen to get Lloyd to cast her in his new play, or else Eve's going to reveal that Karen was responsible for Margot missing the performance. So she kind of blackmails uh, Karen into doing it. And, and so Karen's like, 
ready to do this. She's, you know, really torn up about it. She goes back to the table, but then before she can, you know, help out Eve in this way, Margo's like, I'm just going to continue being in this current play, and I don't want to star in the new one. Yeah. And so Karen, I think, starts laughing at this because she, I guess there's a lot of, like, relief <laughs> that she doesn't have to do. She doesn't have to be blackmailed to yeah. get to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, smart move, Margo. That was good. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm just going to keep on being this aged piece of wood. Yeah, aged in <laughs> wood. And what's the other one? Uh, footsteps on the ceiling. That's yeah. the other play. And so we go forward. Eve is in rehearsals as the main character of Cora in Footsteps on the Ceiling. It's written by Lloyd and directed by Bill. And and Karen gets a call in the middle of the night from a friend of Eve's who is worried about Eve. Um, and she convinces Lloyd to go check on her. And it's revealed... They go back to the friend who was calling and she hangs up the phone and Eve is like right there and they're like give like a thumbs up or something to each other that it's all a ruse to get Lloyd to come over. Oh um, so I guess so Eve can try and seduce Lloyd. Because she tried with Bill, that didn't work. She's tried with Addison and that didn't work. And so now she's going to try the other ma- male character in this movie. Yep. <clears throat> There's a scene with Eve and Addison. They're walking in front of a theater with really terrible rear projection. Um, and then Addison takes her to a hotel, uh, her hotel room and calls her a killer. And she's like, huh? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I meant champion. I got my boxing terms mixed up. <laughs> and uh, they go into the hotel room and Addison reveals that he knows the truth about Eve, that she's made up most of her story. She was actually run out of town at for seducing her boss at the brewery um, and he flips the tables on her and basically blackmails her to do whatever he wants or he's going to reveal the truth about her. She's got some weird name. It's like... Um, yeah, I don't remember. I was going to say R- R- Gertrude. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Something weird like that. <laughs> Maybe. But like, yeah, she, her whole story was made up. She never got married to a, uh, a war hero that died. There was no Eddie, no pilot. You've never been married. That was not only a lie, it was an insult to dead heroes and the women who loved them. San Francisco has no Schubert theater. You've never been to San Francisco. That was a stupid lie, easy to expose, not worthy of you. I had to get in to meet Margot. I had to say something, be somebody, make her like me. And she did like you. She helped and trusted you. You paid her back by trying to take Bill away. That's not true. I was there. I saw you and heard you through the dressing room door. She just kind of is latching on to any kind of ability to you know maneuver her her way up the social ladder basically yeah, manipulate maneuver yeah she had an affair mm-hmm. with her boss and ran and mm-hmm. here she is now just trying to have an affair with anybody <laughs> yep and and george sanders addison dewitt flips the tables on her and he's like i'm gonna do the blackmailing and the manipulating here you're gonna do everything i want you to or i'm gonna reveal the truth about you and she breaks down and cries and then we jump back to the present with Eve accepting the award. Yeah. Um, she takes the award. She begins her speech. She thanks Max, the producer. He looks kind of happy and proud. I don't think he really was in on much. <laughs> no. Um, she then thanks Karen, who sits there and looks down quietly. And she thanks Margot, who's staring daggers at her, holding a cigarette mm-hmm. with those Betty Davis eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very big knives some of those daggers they're like swords mm-hmm. she's throwing yeah. at them <laughs> right <laughs> yeah harpoons yeah. <laughs> uh, next she thanks bill who looks at her disappointed and disinterested and then last she thanks lloyd who's looking down while addison is sitting there looking proudly and she's like off she says she's off to hollywood but she'll be back soon if they want her back and of course another manipulative line the crowd applauds loudly um, everyone is going to the after party, but Eve doesn't want to go. Um, she has all of this success that she's ever wanted, but she isn't happy. Um, so she gets in a taxi and goes home instead of going to the after party. And then here is the final scene of the movie. Um, at home, she gets there and she discovers that a young woman has snuck into her, oh, yeah. her apartment and has fallen asleep on a chair. And she's apparently a massive fan of hers, and she's the president of the Eve Harrington fan club at her high school. And um, Eve's 
terrified and wants to kick her out but she eventually kind of after talking with her it's like all right you can hang around and she gets eve a drink and then the door some there's a knock at the door she goes to answer it and it's addison there returning eve's award he asks the woman who's named phoebe if she wants an award like that and she's like more than anything in the whole world (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, he's like you should ask eve how to get one and then he walks off and and Phoebe goes to place the award down and sees the gown of Eve's and wraps herself in it, holds the award, and stares at herself in a mirror, bowing, just like Eve did earlier in the movie. And the score builds, and that's the end of the movie. And the cycle continues. <laughs> yep. The movie started with the beginning, and it also the scene right after the beginning was the second scene, the first scene of the flashback, basically. Pretty cool. Um, and and that we're in for more manipulation and blackmail and a lot of blackmail and a lot of intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's the end of All About Eve. Yay. Yeah. Uh, it comes out, it makes about twice as much money as it costs. It gets great reviews at the time. And there's a lot of comparisons to Sunset Boulevard, as we talked about before. This movie gets 14 Academy Award nominations. Son? Um, including five acting nominations and four different actresses nominated for Oscars in this one movie. Dang. I think, I think that's a record. It's Best Leading Actress for Betty Davis and for Ann Baxter, um, Best Supporting Actress for Celeste Holm and Thelma Ritter. Um, it gets also nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Editing, and Score. It wins six Oscars. It wins for costume design, sound recording, screenplay, uh, supporting actor for George Sanders playing Addison DeWitt, and then it wins best director and best picture. Wow. Um, Eve is ranked as the number 23 greatest villain of all time, according to AFI, and it has the number nine greatest quote, uh, fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy night. Yeah, that's a really good line. That's a lot of awards. So it beat out Sunset Boulevard in the Oscars that year. Yeah, so we had, I think there was, uh, Best Actress was Betty Davis and Ann Baxter for All About Eve. It was uh, Gloria Swanson for Sunset Boulevard. And then there was two others. And and the one that won was one of those other ones. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. People said that, like, Betty Davis and Ann Baxter kind of canceled each other out. And maybe... Betty Davis and Gloria Swanson canceled each other out because they were kind of similar roles of the aging um, actress kind yeah. of thing. That makes sense. But yeah. Well, that is everything I have about the movie before we dive into what makes it great and any kind of final thoughts that you might have about it. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. Who goes first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Um, I, I did like this movie. Um, I liked Sunset Boulevard more, to be completely honest. Yeah, I did too. Um, this one was very long mm-hmm. and very interpersonal um, drama, mm-hmm. like gossipy, like you were saying. And that's just mm-hmm. hard for me to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, the the twist or whatever, the surprise of that she's not really who she says she is and everything like that, that wasn't, I feel, as exciting or maybe i just saw it coming or mm-hmm. i don't know it wasn't as exciting to me as uh gloria swanson and sunset boulevard just becoming you know even more psycho and then killing mm-hmm. the, that guy um right. it, it just wasn't as intense of a drama um and it was so long but i did like all the actors and actresses in it um i loved that marilyn monroe was in it that was really really cool Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about the music, but it was that Alfred Newman guy who did the score. Yeah. Um, he's done like withering, weathering, weathering heights and like a mm-hmm. citizen. No, not citizen. King. He did city lights. I think, I think so. Um, he was, I, it was good music in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I like about it? I liked that Betty Davis. That was, mm-hmm. that made it worth it. And that made it a worthwhile movie. I don't think it, should be that high on the list. I don't think it's going to be that yeah. high on my lists. Me neither. Um, but overall, it was it was good for like my film history knowledge and you know getting to see some of these performances and 
yeah, I'm really excited to see more Marilyn Monroe stuff. <laughs> I feel like this is one of her early, early ones. Now I get to see her kind of progress into uh, the, you know, superstar that she was. Right. I think we we definitely get to see her once more in some like it hot mm-hmm. um, at some point, but I don't know if we see her in another movie besides that. But for me, what makes it great is um, the performances of Betty Davis and Ann Baxter in particular. Um, these female roles are have a complexity to them that we haven't really seen since Gone with the Wind. Um, yeah, maybe true. with Gloria Swanson and Sunset Boulevard, um, but it's been quite a while. And this movie is filled with complex female roles, and that is notable and worthwhile um, in, and of, in and of itself. Um, overall, thematically, it is very similar to Sunset Boulevard, but I was... I was, I think I was reading something or watching something that was kind of comparing the two movies because they came out the same year and yeah. are dealing with similar things and have similar types of characters that at the time All About Eve was a lot more well regarded. But I think over time, Sunset Boulevard has fared a lot better. And I think their argument was, and I think I agree with this, is that tonally, Sunset Boulevard works a lot better for more audiences of like you and like you and I would enjoy Sunset Boulevard a lot more than All About Eve. Um, yeah. the, the the way that the movie, the the tone of the movie um, of All About Eve hasn't aged quite as well as Sunset Boulevard did. Yeah, the, I agree. The kind of campiness, almost the over the top, eerie, bizarre elements of Sunset Boulevard, kind of make it a little bit more of a of what we something we might see or enjoy watching from a movie nowadays, whereas a movie like All About Eve wouldn't really get made nowadays very often. No, yeah, you're right. It's more of a movie of the time, um, and so I like Sunset Boulevard better. Um, I can appreciate this one. I don't think I will have it very high up on my list, and I don't know if I will would go and revisit it again. But like, I am glad that that I gave it um, a chance and, and, underst- and I think read about it and understood a little bit about it, about what makes it great. But um, like I said, if we were picking one of the two, I think I'd agree with you and pick Sunset Boulevard. Yay. We're on the same page at the beginning of this decade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for this one. Next week, what, what are we, we talking got? about? I don't know. Next what are episode. We about, brother? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we go into 1951, and we are watching A Place in the Sun, ranked number 92 on the original list and not ranked on the 10th anniversary list. I have never heard of this movie. Me. I have no idea what it's about. But <laughs> if I am, I believe I'm correct in saying that it is our first movie with Elizabeth Taylor. Oh really? Cool. Yeah, so we'll get to see one of the most popular actresses of all time. Um, So that'll be notable. Yeah, that'll be cool. So that's next time on What Makes It Great. Um, Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us from. Subscribe and share with your friends and family. We appreciate all the, the love out there in the podcast world. Well, for this time, my name is Andy Fernandez. (laughs) My name is Michael Fernandez. Thank you guys for joining us on What Makes It Great.